I come in as an interpreter. Let me help you open up a line of communication. I got you speaking another language now to make your way through, but you're, but there's nothing's fixed because now we got to start putting your dog in scenarios where you have to start really creating a fluent communication. She's telling you, I'm responding. Let me help you. No, no, you're fighting it. Okay. Let me help. You have to be able to be so fluent in that, that that only comes with practice and practice and practice. everyone and welcome back to care so much. I'm so excited about today's guest. Her name is Kim Kim Erickson and she was actually recommended to come on the podcast by our one of our previous guests, Yishan Lai, who did an amazing episode you can go back and listen to. She is here to talk about my favorite thing, which is dogs. <laughs> so we are going to be talking about dogs today. She is a dog educator, and we're going to talk about all of the reasons why she cares so much about dogs. First of all, thank you for having me. It was, it's such an honor. When Yishun asked me to if I'd be interested in coming onto the show, I was uh, flattered and honored because knowing the premise of the show, and it's just about how we care so much, I just feel like what I want to bring into what I train with people and dogs, dog trainer, more like, like you said, dog educator, behaviorist. There's a lot of different terms out there. I care about helping people find success. I think in general, the idea of dog training is misunderstood as a whole. Commonplace idea of dog training puts a lot of assumption out there and a lot of pressure on people. And then that turns into unfair pressure on a dog to perform and behave a way that is honestly not very natural. I think dogs are capable of amazing things. We all know this. Look at how they can fall seamlessly into our lives. Like m- many other animals, because we're so comfortable with them in our human lives, we forget who they are. That can a lot of times be the root to a lot of problem behavior that people want trained away. So I want to come with the notion and the understanding of, look, If you're having a problem, look at this as your dog is trying to tell you something. Mm. There's something missing in your relationship. It's trying to communicate in the only way it knows how. I want to almost serve serve as an interpreter to, to understand what they're saying. What does that mean? Will making them sit stop that? No, it won't, you know? And so that's what I mean about the idea of dog training refers to obedience-based and sit-down stays. And instead of what I want to come from is this place of, let's understand what they're trying to tell us. Uh, I always say communication is my love language. <laughs> I yeah. love I love to talk and I love to communicate and I love being communicated with. I love finding connections with all kinds of personalities. And I think that dogs have such a broad expression and ability to express themselves in ways I don't think we give them enough credit. So I come passionate with the idea of your dog's just trying to tell you something and let me help. And then also bridge the gap. Okay, well, so if your dog is saying it's frustrated because of ABC, well, what does that mean? And what does that look like? So what do we got to do? What do I have to teach you to help you fulfill your dog in the ways your dog needs? Because we get all the things we want from dogs a lot of times, right? We get them with this idea of what they're going to bring to our lives, which is fantastic. Let's make sure we're in a healthy relationship and a healthy relationship is giving and taking. So I got to give you what you want and what you need to be happy. And if I make you happy, then it ultimately makes me happy too. So it's like relationship building. One one of the things I say all the time, train the relationship, train the lifestyle. I'm sure I'm going to, whether intentionally or not, talk about my dog a million hours. I, I hope so. I currently have, she's for sure some sort of mix. She was a rescue. She's most likely Rhodesian Ridgeback. Mm, She's a big dog. She's about three years old now. And my journey with her was really the first time I had 
had to truly like train a dog and like learn about the things that you're talking about here, where it's that communication. It's that, wow, was that an overwhelming experience? Yeah. It's humbling. She was not my first dog. I had a dog when I was in high school old man we adopted him when he was 10 mostly wanted to nap lab the best get old dogs yeah seriously they're so good seriously everybody wants a puppy and I'm like oof <laughs> I'm a big advocate for adopt old dogs because yeah. the next dog that I adopted was I got a almost 10 year old Brittany Spaniel who was incredibly well trained he definitely trained me not the other way around right he was the one who was like here's how the rules work yeah yeah I had had dogs I thought I knew what I was doing I got what was supposed to be a four-year-old lab, and then I was informed by the vet was a one-year-old Rhodesian Ridgeback. Mm -hmm. She started out just really kind of high energy and like I thought needed to settle down. And then the more attached to me she got, the more reactive she got. And it was overwhelming. There was a ton of conflicting information on how to manage that. That's a big thing I'm passionate about as well. And I just had no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you're talking about of like, understanding her. I'm imagining all of this is sounding very familiar to you. If you were to reach out to me for dog training, I would first be relieved to hear you saying, I think there's something I'm missing. Because that's not back to the point about this idea of what dog training is. It's not usually what people are looking at, Mm -hmm. what they need to be doing as much as I want you to teach my dog to stop doing this. There's these board and train programs out there where I sent my dog away and it came back and it was good for a little bit, but nothing came from that. Nothing lasted long term. I do board and trains, but I do board and trains that involve the owners. We meet Mm. twice a week because ultimately I get the dog so educated, but that's living with me. And Mm -hmm. and that's fantastic if it's going to live with me, but that's not the ultimate end goal, right? So Mm -hmm. it doesn't translate well for long-term results if the owner isn't brought in And understand how to, if I'm getting success in my house, it's because I'm setting up a certain set of patterns and understandings and rules and boundaries. And it's important that I then teach the owner how to repeat the same pattern. That pattern has to be adjusted to your lifestyle. Like the way I want to live with my dog might not be the way you want to live with your dog. I actually have a dog right here next to, there's a little one over here on the couch with me. And so I'm not going to be the dog trainer that says, get them off the furniture. Never, ever. Now, if your dog has had separation anxiety, was guarding you, wouldn't let anybody near the couch. I'd be like, they need to get off the couch. What I'm coming around to saying is what lifestyle do you want to live with your dog? Okay. And you might be Mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to take my dog to a patio. I want to be able to sit with it on the couch. I want to be able to walk down the street and I want to be able to have family over and not have it bite their ankles or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to say, okay, now here's what your dog wants though. (laughs) Sometimes the reason why your dog is biting strangers and guarding you and all is because there's a fear involved. There's, there's a fear. Mm -hmm. Not all dogs are good patios. Not all dogs want to go on patios. You know, not all dogs want to do some of the things we impose upon them. And so mm-hmm. helping understand what your lifestyle you want to live, but as long as it suits the needs that fulfill them, that's where I come in and try mm-hmm. to bridge that gap. So I always appreciate when people come to me with, here's where we're struggling. And in there, I'm listening to the language. I heard you say, I'm missing something. I had to learn. I'm being humbled. Like you were alluding to that. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to the way you're describing your dog and the way, because it tells me a lot about what you're looking for and what your opinion of, of dog training 
would be. And sometimes I have the task of teaching you to understand that this is not going to be a training thing. This is nothing to do with training as much as me educating you about what's missing. Of course, we're going to get into here's how we walk on a leash. Here's these tech. I got techniques for all of it. Yeah. It all has to come down into understanding this lifestyle. I'm going to use this term probably over and over again in this training the lifestyle. My guy here, Samson, he, when I got him, he was a feral, almost feral. He was like a hoarding dog. Hoarding dogs mm. are typically pretty scared of people. They're, they don't have a lot of exposure at their young age, and they can tend to be a little standoffish from people, good with other dogs. So what is a hoarding dog? A dog that comes from like a hoarding case. Like um, mm. people that have a lot of dogs, but they're not taking good care of them. And they end up, I mean, I can't speak too strong about it because I'm not like, I work with rescue dogs a lot, but more as the trainer who comes in to help, not so much. Mm. I don't rescue. I'm not part of, you know, rescuing. Yeah. But the point is, is he, he was basically held in a house with unhealthy conditions, living conditions. And when those hoarding situations happen, there's usually, you know, some neglect and, and behaviors, unsavory behaviors, health, all of that. In that sense, there's not a lot of just everyday exposure. They're not like pets. They're just being mm-hmm. kept and... They come with their, their baggage. He was so scared. And he's a Mastiff Pitbull mix. So he's tall. But when I first met him, I thought he was a small dog because he, he didn't walk. He didn't get his chest off the ground. He walked so slow and slow and scared, you know? You know, we've, we've taken a couple years getting him comfortable, but it wasn't, how am I going to train him, yeah. <laughs> right, if I don't understand him? And so I don't even like the word train. That's why you said, what do you want to be called, dog trainer? Mm-hmm. I'm like, behaviorist, educator, because... I can't train emotion. I can support emotion and I can communicate and I can train the body to help do some physical things so that the brain and the heart can follow, right? The spiritual self Mm -hmm. can, can match that. It's been a couple of years and now he's just Mr. You know, he feels good about himself in the areas that he feels best. If I take him to a brand new space in a very public area, you'll see some old Samson mm-hmm. pop back out. He's not, yeah. not like he was, but you'll still see him be like, hold on. What, you know, but, but what I've taught, trained him is I've taught mm-hmm. him is if you're concerned, look for me, come to me, yeah. I'll get you out of this. I'll protect you. And so what that might look like from a dog training perspective is you teach them leash work and recall and this and that. But I'm coming from more like, if you need help, come look for me. And I, I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, I might be like, all right, come here. And I got you. Just be next to me. And I'm more focused on how the dog's feeling, not what it's doing. I'm wanting to arm people to understand and empower that side of their relationship. Like you said, your do- what's your dog's name? Root. Three years old. COVID dog? Yes. Yeah, that's very, dog trainers are in the world of COVID uh, fallout, which also made everybody's world, dog's world's very small because we didn't get out. Mm -hmm. It's common for the last year or so since we've all been moving back out into the world that all these dogs get out and they're terrified because they were in our house yeah. and there's separation anxieties on the rise, guardings on the rise, uh, like all of that where unsocialized behavior. What I was going to say is, you know, like you said, Ruth has some react, had some reactivity, has some reactivity. Similar to what you're talking about with your dog. She still has, I think I'm going to keep, I keep coming, thinking back to it because it's the thing I can relate to. So this podcast is secretly about Ruth. <laughs> That's cool. She used to have be a lot more reactive. It was interesting how the behavior evolved because it started with started just kind of nervous, like really energetic. She would only stop moving if she was physically on top of me. And then as soon as she like got cozy and comfy in my apartment, it was what I now understand to be 
No, I've been, I had a rough time. Yeah. I got bounced around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Things were not great. Yeah. And then this lady is really nice. Yeah. And my job is to keep her very safe and to stay with yeah. her no matter yeah. what. It got a little empowered. Yeah. Everything that wasn't me was scary. Mm. And then as I started dealing with some of those behaviors, it became, I definitely started with dealing with behaviors and not trying to understand her. That's so everybody. I, so I took her to a puppy training class. Mm-hmm. It went really well. She's crazy smart. Of course. She loves training. Uh-huh. She, it's a game to That's her. Great. It's the most fun game in the world. We get to hang out and get treats and talk. That's great. That's the only thing I ever want to do. Yeah, that's great. The things that were really the problem, that were really scary to her, that's when they came to the mm-hmm. surface is once she understood what the rules were, when she would break the rules was how I could figure out. This is where I I was missing something because the trainer was like, she's so great and she's so smart and she should be figuring this out. So it wasn't until I found somebody who described themselves as a behaviorist who was going to train me. Uh The first time I talked to her, she goes, we're not training your dog. (laughs) We're training you. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And that's, okay, great. I don't know if would like Ruth would like lunge or what? Big girl. She's strong. So she would bark and then pull her leash as taut as she could. She was 60 pounds when I got yeah. her. She's about 70 pounds now. Uh, the only thing I knew to do was to physically control yeah. her. She would be up on her back legs. She was pulling so hard on the harness. Trying to leave or trying to go at it? Trying to go at whatever it was. It was I just would yell at people from a distance <laughs> to stay away yeah, from Give us me. space. By the way, that's pretty much what Ruth was saying too is we don't have it down over here give us space we're all freaked out stay away from my mom yes and the reason why I knew that sending her away wasn't going to work is she would go stay with my dad sometimes during the day and when she was with my dad she was a lot better than she was when she was yeah he's special to her for sure sure. yeah but he's not her special savior lady who has to be protected again I COVID didn't help a lot of dogs so it stayed in your house with you too all that it was just the two of us for her mind it was like you and me we're in this together I want to be able to not just get a dog to stop lunging right because if you were Mm -hmm. just to look at that as the the solution I wanted to stop lunging well now you can open Mm -hmm. a book you can open 40 books of different styles of how to get a dog to stop lunging from special tools to corrections to rewards to lures to there's so many different styles out there and which one's the right one well, in, in a lot of ways, cert- depends. Ones are going to work better for certain dogs in certain scenarios. And, but when it comes down to it, it's like, I just don't want to stop the lunge. I want, it, I want her to feel like she doesn't need to anymore. That's mm-hmm. the thing I'm looking for is like, uh, I have a dog in our care right now that, that in our, one of our sessions, they were like, she goes crazy for skateboards. And she did. She would just mm. lose her mind and just alligator roll and just, even if it, she just saw one. And she's been staying here, mm-hmm. we've been working it. And just a couple of days ago, we have a video of her riding on, um, so one of my team members is kicking the skateboard and he's, she's, she's jogging along with, with the skateboard. We have another video where she's, uh, we put it on Instagram and, and, um, and she's just sitting on the skateboard, kind of wagging her tail while it's rolling. And again, the sound of the wheels and the, the action mm-hmm. of it moving, like she's just a terrier and had this need. To- and the point I was making is that she's not just accepting skateboards. She's not just no longer trying to attack the skateboard, barking, pulling. She's actually sharing space with the skateboard. She feels good mm-hmm. about it. She feels she, she's yeah. changed. Her, she's changing her mind and she's yeah. learning to accept and understand that 
that it's just not a thing to worry about or get excited about or, or go yeah. after. And of course that needs time to practice more of, because if, if you've been practicing this, she's nine. So she's been practicing skateboard mm-hmm. reactivity for nine, eight, nine years. That's not going to be solved in a week or two, but at least we've got her looking at it differently now. And what we can do is send her home with information and her, and we do a lesson with the owners and be like, here's how I want you to continue to grow this feeling. And and there comes the technique. There comes, how did we get that? Okay. Let me show you how we did that. Give the tools and the technique to the owners to continue to change the feeling. So if somebody, if somebody who's listening to this is going, that's great. I would love to magically change how my dog is feeling. Yes. They're a new client to It's day one. They're talking to you for, for the first time. And they give you this list of behaviors. And I can yeah. make some up if you want. Sure. What would be... The language that I use now is absolutely because of the training that I got. I was wildly emotional because I thought I had failed my dog because I at least understood that, that her behavior... I don't believe in bad dogs. Same. There's dogs who have been in situations where they're not going to be happy in every home. So I was afraid that that's what had happened. But because things started out fine... I assumed I had done something. To be fair to you, a lot mm-hmm. of training out there kind of puts that on people too. There's there's a lot of shame attached to it. Yeah. I basically felt completely overwhelmed. I felt like I had made some terrible mistake and that this dog that because I got her during COVID, and I don't know if this is, was true everywhere, but I live in Minnesota. Mm. We adopt more dogs than we have homeless dogs. So we import dogs from other states and sometimes other countries. Yeah. So there were no dogs to adopt here during COVID. Uh-huh. So I was like fighting to get a dog, like working with rescues. So I fought for this dog and then I felt like I was failing her. Mm -hmm. And so the call that I gave to a trainer was my dog is reactive. She's totally out of control. It all would have been about her. She's totally out of control know what to do. Like I have, so if I'm giving you that call, what are some of the first things that you're going to say to me? I would first ask you, describe your life with your dog. And again, I'm listening to the language mm-hmm. and the way you're saying it. Describe an average day with Ruth. And I would even ask you, you said the word, I'm trying to discipline. I would say, what does that mean to you? Discipline. I yell at her if she barks at me. Yeah. Like consequence, you're in trouble. So when I would say, is that all you do is yell or do you do any more? If, for example, what I was trying to do when she would lunge and bark is I would just try to pull her back force her into a sit. That was Mm -hmm. the only thing I knew to do. Put her in a box. Yeah. And it did not work. Okay. What kind of tools are you using? Harness Mm -hmm. is what I heard. And I would, and, and I would say, okay, and how's that working? It doesn't work. Okay. I would start asking a lot of questions. Okay. Well walk me through an average day with, with Ruth. Where does she sleep? Do you, how much do you walk her? How much exercise do you get? So I lived in an apartment at the time, which Mm -hmm. is a whole other level of not a thing I should have done with this dog. Questions I would have gotten to though. I would have been like, and what's your environment like for her? But it had an off leash dog bark. So I would take her there. This, I think you would, you would understand at the time, the only way I could get her to be calm is if she was exhausted. Mm -hmm. So she would go to the dog park, like at least 30 minutes, we would play the most intense game of fetch, but it was really bite my hand. Like she would run for like 30 minutes, three times a day. And then I would take her back. And anytime she got overly excited, I would just take her back to the off-leash dog park to get her to run again. Did you find that the more you did that, the more you had to keep doing it? Yup. I would say play is fun and it's great. And it's clearly doing some work to tire her out physically, but what are you doing for her mentally? What are you doing for her to challenge the brain? What are you doing to challenge with all that play? What are the rules? Because is she biting at your hand? Does she know to wait? Can you at least put some kind of brain game to it? Like, I don't care if it's, you know, be four feet from me and sit and give me eye contact. And then once I get just applying a couple Mm -hmm. little things can make can make that physical exercise 
less chaotic. Mm-hmm. So now your exercise is definitely physically based, but it's also excitement based. So let's, okay, let's work the body, but let's also bring the excitement down in that physical, right? Mm-hmm. By adding a couple of rules and specifics. And I want to teach you a drop it. So I'm not, we're not wrestling and, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not getting my hand bit, you know, mm-hmm. and all of that. So there's a little mental work involved in that, but I would also say play is not exercise in my world, mm-hmm. in my book. Play is, is play. Exercise to me, like I'm going to say, well, uh, let me, uh, let me be a little broader. Exercise can be a lot of different things, but let me get specific about there's play time. There's explore time, Mm. like the dog being able to just navigate its environment and use its nose, which dogs get to do that when they go in fields to, to throw Mm -hmm. a ball. They end up sniffing around sometimes that's explore. Right. But what about follow? How much time does your dog practice following compared to playing, exploring, and resting. So if there's four states I'm looking for, I want a dog to be able to get all four. I want them to play. Mm -hmm. I want them to explore. I want them to rest. But it's really hard to create a restful, peaceful dog if you're not doing follow, play, explore in balance. Mm -hmm. So I would say, where's, where's your follow? You know, what kind of boundaries do you set in your life? What in your walk, like, you know, is she pulling you everywhere? Is she, you know, I'd be, I'd be asking Mm -hmm. a lot of questions, starting to get into who's, who's, I hate the term alpha. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I look at packs of dogs, like packs, like family. Mm-hmm. There's a family dynamic, not alpha, beta, dominant submission. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't subscribe to that because I, they're actually very emotionally capable dogs of doing a lot more. And even when you watch true, true wild feral dogs, there's not like the alpha walking around kicking everybody's butt. A lot of this alpha dominant training is out there. Sure, there should be just like in our family. Mm-hmm. There's a matri- there's a matriarch and a patriarch, and it doesn't matter if it's your mom or your dad, your grandparent, or whatever. They're the ones that's going to set some rules and some boundaries and and tell us what's what in the ways of the world. And they're also going to be the ones they're they're supposed to be the ones that teach us, and they're supposed to be the ones that hold us accountable and do that in a balanced way. Now, not all. I'm a parent, and I'm not going to argue that I did it perfectly, and you know. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, did I raise my daughter, who's in college now? to be just a decent human being. Common sense, basics of just good and bad, according to our societal standards and rules, right? Mm -hmm. And who taught Ruth the ways of our world? And again, how much of that is human implication and how much of that is dog satisfaction? So it gets complicated, you know, as I start talking about it, it mushrooms out, but there needs to be, for sure, there needs to be a leader, but I I don't talk about it like pack leader and all of that Mm -hmm. so much as where's the person in charge? But with that, I mean, like we listen to our moms, you know, Mm -hmm. even once we get older, we still respect our parents and our our elders. And so where's the hierarchy in the family, Mm -hmm. in your house? Who's kind of calling the shots? Who's teaching who and who's holding who accountable? Yeah. And who's who's keeping you guys on track to live the life you say you want to live. And if somebody had just straight up and down asked me who's in charge in your house, I would have been like, I don't know, probably me. Like, Yeah, I am, I think. I am, I think would totally be the words that I would use. That's that's something I hear. Yeah. yeah. So how do, how do you teach people to recognize the reality of that and to be able to understand, to be totally honest and transparent for people? I was not in charge. She absolutely thought she was in charge of the house and yeah. that was part of the problem. So yes. how do you tell, teach people to notice that? Here's something I learned a long time ago is you can't just come out and tell people they're doing it wrong. You can't. I'll, I'll lose you. I'll shut you down. I'll put you right back to the shame thing we talked about where there's like this shame implied on owners mm-hmm. a lot. And 
even though absolutely it's our responsibility to make sure they have the best life and they're doing well. I'm not going to hook you or get you motivated to try harder by shaming you. Mm -hmm. I might get you started, but now you feel bad about yourself. And then that does not inspire longevity Mm -hmm. and consistency. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make you wrong. I want to make you aware. And I know that was your question. How do you make me aware of it? Well, I start asking questions, give them information. I could say, so what do you think, how does, how does yeah. what you're doing align with what they, this needs or what this is? And, and I, and I try to help bring people to it yeah. as best as possible. And then I could say, look, I, this may not make sense right yet, or you might not believe me yet why it's so important. The dog is, is in the crate, whatever, mm-hmm. but, but roll with me on this. Trust me, stick with it. Because you have to, it, I, I tell people, if you're going to work with me, you're going to commit. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're going to be honest with each other. We're not going to just do one appointment and call me when you need me. I make people sign up for five appointments in a row, one week every week. And that's just to get the, the foundations down. So in those five weeks, I'm like, you'll see a difference in five weeks. Trust me. So then I, sometimes I just plain, plain bold ask people, trust me, trust the professional. And I, and a lot of times I'm the fifth, sixth, seventh professional they've trusted. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why you might be a little hesitant but I do my best just to come with my hat in my hand to say, I'm here to help. And sometimes when I, I tend to try to be really aware of people's emotional, the body language are, and you know the little fluxes of things going on. So if I feel like I'm hitting a soft spot, I'll just table it for a little while. And well, let's, let, where, where can we start? Mm-hmm. All of this, if I were to tell you on a first consultation, everything I know you're going to need. So let's, where do we start? Mm-hmm. Can, can we start by doing one, two, three? Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, I just try to get one to two things solid in every session of the, ba- of my basics, but every session, because when you have solid basics, then you get to the lifestyle. Yeah. You have to have a foundation to build a house. And so we got to build that foundation. So when you say basics, what do you mean and why are they important? So I, I talked about follow, play, explore. When you create a healthy balance of those three things, you create a restful dog, a peaceful dog, like a bar chart. I assess what, where you're low and where you're high, too high mm-hmm. in, right? And that can be very situationally dependent. It could be breed specific. Some breeds have lower needs uh, for work you know, bulldogs or I'm thinking of like, you know, basset hounds or something, mm-hmm. right? That are going to tucker out quicker compared to like a Vishla or an Aussie or these high drive dogs that need more. Mm-hmm. Let's also think about age. You have to consider their age, right? Right. We love our seniors. They don't need as much, right? But younger dogs do. And so, you you know, I take into breed and, and um, age and then obviously personality. And then obviously the lifestyle you're looking for and whether and how compatible that is. And sometimes helping you understand what you might just have to be okay with. Mm-hmm. It's not like a failure. It's just like, it would be unfair to ask that, to expect yeah. that of them. They don't want it. And helping you understand why that's okay. In the same way that people have unrealistic expectations for each other, sometimes we have that's unrealistic correct. expectations for a dog. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship. And if you're really coming to any relationship, trying to keep each other happy, then you're going to give and take. And so uh, the basics. So I'm looking for what a lot of people are missing is the follow. Mm. They're missing that leadership element, the, the matriarch, the patriarch, the family element of, uh, and, and um, so trying to help not squash play, not squash explore, but just like, let's dial it down a little bit. We know you're good at that, mm-hmm. right? And even though there could be things we could adjust, like, you know, the drop it and the, the step back and the, you know, the rules we can apply mm-hmm. around that. 
let's talk about how she sees you. Ruth, let's use mm-hmm. Ruth as an example, okay? Yeah. Knowing what I know. It sounds like you have a very scared dog. So I want to teach that, just like I have with Samson, right? I want to teach them that you don't have to be scared. Mm-hmm. I, I, sometimes I might, life might present scary scenarios and I mean, might even have to put you in scary scenarios because I got to take you to the vet and I got to mm-hmm. take you here. I'm not taking you to a patio, but there's life I'm going to have to, sometimes I'm going to put you in scenarios because we have to, and I need you to depend on me and I need you, I want you to feel as best you can. So I have to teach you that I'm the one that's going to provide all the things you need, which is protection, mm-hmm. right? Um, survival when it comes down to it is, is about providing, you know, all the things we need, safety, security. When I say safety, I mean like you don't have to protect us. You don't have to rear up and bark at that person. I got it. If I'm talking to that person, they're accepted, even if they're across the street. Like, and again, this isn't a, I said, sit down and be quiet as much as like, you're good. I got it. I got Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm, I literally mm -hmm. sell t-shirts with my logo that say, I got this across the front because that attitude alone is, I just want to project that feeling of like, I got it. Mm-hmm. Chill out, and if you need some support, here comes some techniques I can give you that I mm-hmm. that I use to show them how to set them up for success in every scenario possible. And it usually relates to follow to start with, because that's usually what's missing. Sometimes I get these dogs that are just so trained, so on point that I'm like, "Ooh, let's." Do you ever play? <laughs> like, do you, does the dog ever get to cut loose? It's either one or the other sometimes. Sometimes I start with, let's see what freedom looks like. I want to, I don't mean in the house. I mean, like, put a long line on it and let it go. Mm-hmm. Don't micromanage it. Uh, you know, let it smell around. Let's see yeah. how it responds. Do you lose relevance? Like, the minute it starts to explore, well, okay, that, that tells me something. Like, Ruth may be having a grand time chasing that ball, but if there's three things I'm always looking for, it, I'm always looking for a dog that keeps me relevant. No matter what, mm-hmm. no matter how scared, how anxious, how excited, name any behavior, how intense it is, I'm relevant. They're soft in the mind about it. And they understand the concept of yielding pressure. So I always talk about yielding, softness, and relevance. That's where my basics come in is I need to teach a dog. And it doesn't matter if I'm doing play, explore, or follow exercises, yield pressures, keep me relevant. And stay soft. Relevance, I think, makes inherent sense to me. It's it's that they're paying attention to you, right? That was a huge game changer for me when the moments when I realized Ruth was looking at me when something happened. The first yeah. thing she did when anything new happened was look at me. And she hadn't been doing that before. She was always, her job was to protect me. So she was always looking at whatever she considered the threat and didn't Mm -hmm. even check if I was scared about it. So flipping that was wild how much that changed things. I know. But when you talk about soft and yield. Softness is a state of mind, not a body position. I've got my four dogs loose in what I call free movement right now. One's on the couch, one's on the ground, the other one's laying down over there. They're in a soft state of mind, but truthfully, they're at their their calmest point. So if I were to put it on a scale of zero to 10, zero is where they're at. I mean, they're passed out sleeping next to me. That's like as as chill as it can get, right? 10 is their absolute ultimate worst. And again, it could be you have an overexcited dog. You have an anxious dog, a tense dog, an aggressive dog. It doesn't matter. Just zero to 10 of those scales. What you'll hear a lot in dog training is I want, I got to teach the dog calmness, calmness, calmness. To me, calm is zero. Mm. And to me, calmness is hard to teach because it doesn't, you can't force it. Mm -hmm. So how do you coach a dog to that direction of coming down that scale? You mark 
as you acknowledge your reward, I use a marker word like yes. And, you know, you mark moments of softness, which means they're clicking down the scale. So if you were a nine, you just gave me an eight. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. If you, and now you're at a seven. Yes. So you, and I show them a payment structure, so to speak with like food or whatever it is they value that helps them understand, do more of that. Yeah. Every time you, I'm going to reward you every time you click down, you click down. And these are foundational basics. I, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to put them in front of their trigger in the beginning. I'm mm-hmm. going to teach them when it's easy. I like it when you soften. And I'm not looking for you to go from a nine to a zero. That's unrealistic. A dog mm-hmm. may go nine, eight, seven, but doesn't hear anything from you and spikes back up because it's, that didn't work. I, I, apparently that's not what you want from me. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have to catch those moments on the down and mm-hmm. you have to massage those and you have to nurture those. And it, it can be so situationally dependent. Mm-hmm. that I just teach people to understand how to check moments that just went, oh, look, their ears dropped. Oh, mm-hmm. they were holding their mouth closed and they opened their mouth. Uh, it's, and, and sure, they sat, they laid mm-hmm. down, beautiful. But all of it has to be volunteered. I, mm-hmm. if, I ta- if I tell you to sit, it doesn't mean you're soft. Mm-hmm. Definitely doesn't mean you're calm. We all know a dog can sit like this or sit and shake, and right? So a sit... Mm-hmm. And a down and a stay. Okay, great. You've got them in this bottle, but that bottle is under pressure. It's being shaken up and it's, it can blow yeah. versus I don't tell you what to do in that sense. I, I, I actually, I'm not against obedience. I just, I'd rather you volunteer it mm-hmm. and I'm going to mark it. So if you sat mm-hmm. and then you stood right back up again, all right, well, you're working through it. Mm-hmm. So just like us, like, you know, we have our things when we're nervous and we're, you know, and we're, but it's like, we find it and then maybe like, yeah, I got to get up and I got to move around. But we have our coping mechanisms for stress. And some of us, we learn how, when we work on ourselves, we learn how to lean into the things that keep us okay. Yeah. And then when we get enough softness in us, then we can relax and settle in. These things about dog's body language Mm -hmm. that I now know to see, it would always astonish me when she would be out of note. She would go from totally chill to freaking out and I had no idea what was happening. And this is why I care so much because Mm -hmm. I just got fired up hearing you say that because dog educators can teach our Mm -hmm. owners how to identify this. You realize how much your dog is trying to communicate with you. I'm getting so excited because when that breakthrough happens, I get goosebumps just thinking about it because holy crap, you've been telling me all along and it's not that you didn't want to hear it or you're pushing it away, but you just didn't understand how to speak the language and it's starting Mm -hmm. to be clear. And once the dog knows you're, you're communicating and you're, you're, oh, you, you saw that they'll talk more. They'll talk, Mm -hmm. they'll communicate now that you're listening, let me show you even more. And so it's very common actually that once I get a couple lessons in and I start working with that, we start seeing explosive behavior. And I'm like, this is so normal mm-hmm. for the dog to know because it knows you're paying attention now. Mm-hmm. And, and it needs to tell you, I'm, you know, I'm using these quotes, it needs to show you. And mm-hmm. I believe in honoring their expressions. I don't believe in suppressing dogs, which is a lot of dog training out there. Even in, in many sense, making them sit is a suppressive behavior. Why? Mm-hmm. Why do they have to sit? It's, it's clearly not making them feel better. That very first class that I took her to, which was just like a basic training class that I'm sure for like, for some dogs is fine. That's all you need. Like, a, and for honestly, for some people it's fine. Cause that's probably what they need. It works for who it works for, but I, yeah. th- those are not the dogs I get. Well, and the dog, so I, basically she, she had this big leap forward of behavior and what I would guess it was, 
she's the smartest dog I've ever interacted with. Mm. And maybe it's because I've interacted with her more, but she's like unbelievably smart. That was a big jump because it was her understanding what I was saying to her. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she started mm-hmm. to learn the rules and learn what I wanted, but mm-hmm. I was not hearing her at all. Yeah. And that's what that next phase of training was, yes. was going all these behaviors that like I could train her to sit and I could train her to like wait for her food bowl yeah. and like not get her food. And, yep. and like, I could train her to not rush through the door before me, but let me go through the door first. Like those were some of the things that I was making this progress. And then I hit this wall where I could not figure out why she was still barking at every person who walked past the window. Because she couldn't train you to listen to what she needed. Great. Mm-hmm. I'll do all that you're asking for. What about what I'm telling you, what I need? Mm-hmm. And so it was still a scary world because I, she could finally hear me, but I, she, I could not hear her. In the very beginning, I'm like, I, I come in as an interpreter. Like, let mm-hmm. me help you open up a line of communication. And even once, you know, after like, I tell you, I have like the five appointments that I do. Mm-hmm. And I always say this when we're approaching the end and he shuns her this before, you know, the, um, but I was like, look, I got you speaking another language now. Like if I were to teach mm-hmm. you Italian, you're speaking it. You can understand a good amount. You can, but are you fluent? Mm-hmm. No. Could you carry a conversation with, uh, at a party where everybody's speaking Italian? Maybe not. Like you could hang, but are you as fluent, right? So that's where I say, look, at at those five appointments, I get you speaking the language. I get you understanding how to communicate to make your way through, but nothing's fixed because Mm -hmm. now we got to start putting your dog in scenarios where you have to start really creating a a fluent Mm -hmm. communication, seamless Mm -hmm. communication between She's telling you, I'm responding. Let me help you. No, no, you're fighting it. Okay, let me help. You have to be able to be so fluent in that, mm-hmm. that it, that only comes with practice and practice and practice. I get people speaking the language in five appointments and I always tell them, mm-hmm. this is not a package. I'm not promising anything. You will see improvement. Yeah. Don't think in five appointments, Ruth will never bark at anybody ever again. No, no. she per- yeah. And I always say, it's not, they'll never do it again. It's, do I, do you, have I done my job? Have I taught you? how to help her when she does. Because if you're helping her when she does, then the barking gets less. It diminishes because what you're doing now is changing the emotional state, not Mm -hmm. conditioning a physical state, like a sit, a down, a stay or whatever. So Mm -hmm. that just, just like therapy that takes, Mm -hmm. that takes reps and talking and communicating. And there it is. There's the magic. I love the metaphor of another language because even how empowering it is, when, cause sometimes she'll develop brand new yep. behaviors and habits that I'm like, where did this come from? And it might just be an expression of the same thing. It's just realizing, mm-hmm. well, that wasn't working. Let me find another way to show you. This is still lingering for me. Mm-hmm. And so she'll, she'll do something brand new, but what happened the first time those behaviors manifested, I had no idea what to do. I had a moment where she had been, I had been dealing with, I'd taken her to this first trainer that was like that basic puppy trainer and she'd gotten so much better. Yeah. And so I assumed that it would just going to be progress from here on out. Yeah. Smooth sailing. <laughs> and then the things that were so bad got worse. Yeah. Yes. And I didn't know As what to will. do about it. Mm-hmm. I had this one day in particular where I was, I put her in the car. She is getting wound up the whole time. Now I realize what's happening, right? Like now in I hindsight. See she had started the whole ride just feeling like we were in a fight. Yeah. Here we go. Let's get Everybody's ready. attacking mom. <laughs> mom is really stressed yeah. out. I should probably yell at everybody about it. Like I finally get to my mom's place. Both of my brothers who she has not met before are there. 
now I know that she's terrified of new, strange, specifically white men with beards. Both of my brothers are white men with beards. So I bring her into this house and she lost her mind. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I put her in, the, I ended up, I was there for like 20 minutes and I had to turn around and go home mm-hmm. in that same traffic. Mm-hmm. And I just felt defeated, to- felt totally defeated, didn't know, had n- and had no idea what to do about that. Yeah. Where did all that go wrong? Why? How? Yeah. And how do you even start? It was like somebody telling me they could literally talk to dogs. Yeah. Like that's li- what it felt like to find a trainer who could help yep. me and the way that it sounds like you help people is magic. It's a beautiful thing. I'll tell you this though. It feels like magic and even sometimes it might look like magic when you meet a really great trainer that knows how to mm-hmm. do things really well because we speak it so a good trainer speaks it very fluently. I just walked in the room and started speaking Italian. That's all I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's actually not magic. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. It feels foreign. Yeah. And like that scenario that you described just now is it, there's probably about 17 things I would have been like, okay, well, that's that. That happened mm-hmm. because here. And sure, we could have, mm-hmm. what would I have done? I would have done a certain set of things to solve that. And then how would I handle the drive? And then da 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 da. And then before I went in, da 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 da. And then now, does, does she. Is she scared of white men with beards? Or is it every time she's ever experienced a white male with a beard? It's been in these stressful states. So now white men with mm-hmm. beard are attached to stress. You might actually also get to a point where she actually enjoys this one guy that has a beard, mm-hmm. but she loves him. Well, because she, that, that one's related to a positive thing. They're not that biased. They're actually mm-hmm. very situationally specific. Mm-hmm. They're very, they're, they, they value space and location and experiences and association is how they learn. So that's all dog training mm-hmm. is, is reassociating patterns. Absolutely. And the year, a year later, Thanksgiving was at my house <laughs> and my brothers came here and Ruth did try to go home with the same brother that she thought was going to murder him, go. her because she was like, no, he's great. I don't know if you noticed, but he pets me all the See? time and he was really bad at eating. So there's always food under his yeah. feet. Yeah, I like him. And so there you are <laughs> validating the exact point I would have been if, if this was the first time I met, I'd be like, if yeah. you put in some work, we can teach her that's okay. Right. I would, I'm mm-hmm. burdened with the task of believing, trust me, believe in this mm-hmm. and let me teach you how to get there. But it takes a time. Mm-hmm. And you said one year later, and sometimes it does take that long. And maybe it was mm-hmm. one year later because that was just situationally how it worked out. The progress was in these fits and starts where it's like, sorry, <laughs> Amazon came in, Sadie. <laughs> so now you can hear him. There's a guy in an orange vest. Good. Now my little deaf dog. I'm sorry. My little deaf dog. That's my my Sadie, my little boxer. These are the kind of things you edit out. Great. No, I'll keep this in for sure. (laughs) The deaf dog, the white one, saw it. She went, who's that? And then they're like, yeah, I I thought we should be scared. I thought we should be scared. Dogs are so smart. I knew it. There was somebody there. and and she. There's someone there. And that's what I was like, "Uh uh-uh. Let that be a good example of how good girl. I mean, I said no, but I didn't yeah. apply any kind of correction because mm-hmm. Sadie, the little, the brown boxer mm-hmm. that I have and Samson, somehow I got really scaredy dogs in my life. They're very nervous dogs. Sadie comes from a, from yeah. an abusive situation, very scared of men. And there was a guy in a fluorescent mm-hmm. vest and a hat and the whole thing dropping off Amazon packages. And, and so understandably, any dog's going to be like, who's that? I allow expression. Even if it means yeah. you go over grumbling a little bit, what, she used to bite yeah. people. She used to have much bigger reactions. So the fact that she's willing to move to the door with a little grumble and move away, that's when, but I said, good girl, I was rewarding her for coming away. Like go, f- go express yeah. how you feel, but don't act on it. 
feel your feelings, girl, go ahead. So I I try to empower the dog to feel their feelings and, but also make good choices in those feelings. Well, I guess in Mm -hmm. therapy, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And then the little white one, who's not scared of anything. She just barked. And then, then it set everyone else. Well, and then that's the thing, right? It's like, that's why I felt like I was getting such conflicting information is because I would go, I would like search for what to do when your dog barks, when people drive past the house. And I would get all of these, this information of like, we have, you can't let them do that. Like you have to yell and scream at them or like they're scared. So you need to comfort Mm -hmm. them. So I, I think of uh, my, my dog is my baby. Mm -hmm. Um, I have got to a point where the yelling and screaming wasn't working. So then I was doing comforting. And for at least the biggest thing that they taught me was no understanding what her cues were was really important because I didn't know what yeah. those were. The biggest thing for me is what it turns out was most of her behavior was she was under the impression that when she was barking, I was glad she was doing mm-hmm. it because she was helping to protect me in the house. And that thing was scary because I would yell at the person to get away from us. And then I would comfort her. Yeah. So she'd be like, yeah, get out of here. My style is a mix of a lot of styles. So like while mm-hmm. I align with, I need to tell you what I, the yes and the no's, but when it comes down to it, I'm saying yes more than I am saying no, because, because mm-hmm. like, like a, like a, like a kid in school, You've, you've got mm-hmm. to, you've, if, if they're failing, it's because they're kind of getting out of their depth. They're edu- they're out of their mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. level. Right. And so I, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to be looking for every bit of relevant softness and yielding. So mm-hmm. when Sadie grumbled and I was like, no, and then she looked away, mm-hmm. I said, good. And then she started to go toward yeah. it and she came away. Good. I, I experienced where people are more, saying no more than yes. And, and mm-hmm. that's where I, I teach people about these elements of softness, because if you're really looking yeah. for softness, you are saying yes so much mm-hmm. that, that you're yeah. nurturing that, that student in front of you to become mm-hmm. better educated for the situation that just happened. Just one example of a behavior since Ruth loves looking out the window. It's second floor. She loves to look down out the window. She used to just start barking at anything that yeah. walked by. The pieces that... Again, I would not have known prior to understanding more of her signals is I used to only say good job if she did exactly what I wanted. If she was, if she never got up, if she made absolutely no Mm -hmm. noise, if she was a robot. And what I learned is, okay, so her natural reaction to the dog, to seeing literally anything outside is to stand up, bark really loud at them. So it became, if she does one bark, that's progress. So if she stops after one bark, I would watch her catch herself. That's it. That gets a good job. It's not the bark that I'm, because that's the other thing too, is people like, well, you can't reward bad behavior. I'm like, I'm not rewarding the bark. The stop. Yeah. I rewarded the the softness. I rewarded that moment Mm -hmm. that she looked at me. That's relevance. The moment her, her ears went like that, that softness yielding to talk about that pressure, your feeling you move away. So yielding, uh, you didn't see it, but Sadie started to move to the door and she voluntarily came away. That's a yield. And I went, good. If you don't like something, move away, but remain soft Mm -hmm. and keep me relevant. If you're really having a hard time yielding on your own, then I might have to help you. I might have to add a little leash pressure. I might have to add a little verbal pressure. Hey, come leave it, name, right? Some kind of verbal information. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm, had to mm-hmm. do that when she first started because I could, I could see her kind of coming fast around the corner and I went, hey, and that was pressure. And then she stopped herself. 
That's progress. Mm-hmm. Again, this dog used to yeah. go ape over it and, mm-hmm. and has bitten people and men and the whole things like, but she's, she's not doing that anymore. So did I punish her for biting or did I teach her how to feel better? So you don't feel like you need to bite. Mm-hmm. And is it, is it perfect? Mm-hmm. No, it never will be. Yeah. But are we better? Yes. And are we getting better every time Amazon comes to the door? I believe so. Because I'm always mm-hmm. going to look for a yield and, and a softness and, and a relevance and, and, any t- if you're watching a dog and it doesn't matter if they're in a follow state because we're walking and I'm doing follow related exercises or you're in a free state like they are right now, you need to be yielding pressure, soft in the mind and keep mm-hmm. me important. And if, if you're doing those mm-hmm. three things, I, 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 argue, I, I challenge anybody to if, name one problem you can't solve. If you have a dog doing those three mm-hmm. things, I could solve anything. And, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that's what a well-trained dog looks like. I've taught them to yield. Mm-hmm. Some dogs aren't going to volunteer it. So how do we teach that? Well, that comes into technique. Yeah. You know, I'll apply a little pressure on the mm-hmm. leash and I'll, I'll encourage the turnaround. I go, yes. And I mark them for that. And they're like, oh, okay. So then I, I, I coordinate this understanding that when I feel this, if I do that, I get a treat. Yeah. So then I start doing that. And then I create such a habit that they do it without me having, ah, yes. And so I start creating... Mm-hmm. It leads to volunteered behavior if you understand how to keep moving the statute of, of what it takes to get the next thing, right? The, the, the rules have to yeah. change. They're a student. We're the teacher. So I have to teach mm-hmm. you to teach them. So, right? So yeah. again, I can walk in the room because I'm a good teacher and I speak the language and they're going to happen quickly, but I got to teach you. So that's why I focus. Let me teach you mm-hmm. one or two things this lesson. That's all I can focus on because I'm going to teach you to see really mm-hmm. important stuff. If, if my student barely knows two plus mm-hmm. two, I'm not going to punish them when an equation comes up that is advanced geometry, is advanced calculus. Mm-hmm. Wow, so, so unfair. We wouldn't punish a toddler for not knowing mm-hmm. that, right? But if a high schooler student turned in the wrong answer, we'd be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. We know, I know you know better. And there would be an yeah. appropriate level consequence. So I do believe in accountability yes. for a dog, like the no language or whatever. But even mm-hmm. then it's, it's appropriate for what it is. So, cause I, I really do yeah. believe that if you're going, if the dog is struggling that bad, it's not because they're doing it to you. They're doing mm-hmm. it because they don't mm-hmm. know better. And an old yeah. mentor mindset, it, training is 90% direction, 10% correction. Like, and, and I, I, you know, I, I align with that idea that like, mm-hmm. they're just out of their depth. So you have to go back and be like, yeah. let me put you, let me make this in terms you understand. Having somebody explain to me that my dog, who was a puppy, she was a one-year-old puppy. She looked like this big, scary dog. She acted like this big, scary dog. She was a little baby. She was under the impression that she was supposed to take care of our whole apartment and keep me safe from all of these things that she thought were terrifying. She thought that was her job. That was the whole first like six months of me training her Mm -hmm. with this new stuff was that is not your job. That is my job. I got this. Every time we go out of the house, I'm in charge because you being in charge, it's not that alpha thing that like, that's, I think it's the thing that you're talking about with the follow. It's, I'm not in charge in that, like, you have to submit to me. No, I'm in charge in that when the scary thing happens, you look at me and I'm going to take care of it. It is not your job to take care of it. That's it. Like I'll protect you. Look to me for what you need. And, Mm -hmm. and ultimately I want to have a dog 
that doesn't need me to tell them anymore because mm-hmm. I've taught them so well, I don't need to keep pointing them to the answer because a lot of training can also fall short where we get them so far, but it, it's still very dependent on us having to tell them what to do all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, get out of that. It's why I stay out of obedience because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, sit. I'm like, you still have to tell them to sit. If, if we're focusing on yielding softness relevance, they should just be there a few moments have happened, but I, I didn't want to interrupt something we were talking about, no, but so right after that whole thing happened with the door, you know, Sadie was, and we started talking, she's here laying next to me right now. She came yeah. back and she went back to a soft state. So yeah. the, the recovery, I'm sure you experienced that with Ruth, mm-hmm. right? The recovery from, from, from stress is quicker because you're teaching them how to dissolve stress. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if they live at a lower stress state, they're going to react less. And once you can see those triggers and you can see what the dog is telling you, like that's why that part is... So not a part of like the average dog's training. That's right. But is like was so critical for me learning with Ruth. Yeah. Once I could see those signals from her, mm-hmm. you, then you can see the progress right. that felt like that felt magical. Like yep. I was saying, yep. where it's like having this new training felt magical. On our Instagram stories, we always post daily, go on these big pack walks, and of course, achieve these things seem you know, like, whoa, how is that that possible? Right. But the truth is, is each one of those dogs individually have an understanding of our expectations Mm -hmm. and we've put in the work and the owners have put in the work. So when they come here, this is just a day for us all to practice the same behaviors and have fun doing it. And so, you know, we, we always post our, our day, uh, pack walks, socials, um, enrichment games. I, I, I post things with my, my things I'm doing with clients, whatever, but our stories have a lot of those, uh, look, you look like you can look a <laughs> uh, guy, just another FedEx driver just stopped something off and they're just looking it's quite wonderful. good dogs, <laughs> good dogs. There was something earlier that we were talking about that I wanted to go back to with the mm. correction. It's important to me because I'm not anti-correction. I'm about accountability, but I'm not mm. a correction. I'm not a correction heavy trainer. Um, like I always say, I'm not a positive only trainer, but I'm not a correction based trainer. Right. So what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I do believe in accountability because I think any student needs to be held accountable. But back to the thing I said earlier, it needs to be appropriate an appropriate mm-hmm. level correction. And a lot of times when you give this, we're talking about the education level, right? When you teach a student and you create a really great student that's learning and growing and understands the education that you've presented for them, they don't even want to mess up, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not just like I'm putting you through school. I'm making you have, you're having a good time too. Even though there's these stages of accountability, it's so few and far in between because the, I teach them to have fun and making the good choices. I think that is something really missing in the dog training world is, is yeah, it's not just about commanding our presence and commanding their, their submission or compliance, mm-hmm. compliance as much as teach them what they need to know. Absolutely. Hold them accountable where necessary. But if you're, if you're really motivating any student, you don't have to get on them all the time. You don't have to Mm -hmm. punish. And so that's why I always, a lot of my clients that I've worked with, I've never seen you correct a dog. I'm like, I I don't have to, I'm not against it. I just, I don't have to. Mm -hmm. They, they're so motivated to keep learning and keep trying. And I set up such an obvious way for them to please me to get a yes, mm-hmm. to get a yes from yielding softness relevance. Yeah. That, that I'm going to be, I'm going to be marking good stuff more than saying. So often these new behaviors that I notice with Ruth, I'm not always aware of the ways that I'm communicating with her. But when I notice a behavior that I'm like, why on earth are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah. 
it very quickly becomes clear that I was accidentally training her to do that. Uh-huh. Like yeah. for example, yep. I she she knows before I do what my routines are. Mm-hmm. Like if I do something differently, they're so smart and they're so they they pick up on the most subtle things. And and if you just come from this under, from this more empathetic perspective of well, why are you doing that? Not like mm-hmm. don't do that. Yeah. What why? What's different? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Let's start asking questions. Let's start you know, we do that too, as, as the people who get dogs, we, we'll yeah. see stuff and be like, that's not like them. And we'll I'll start asking questions. So what's going on at home? Is there anything different? I'm noticing this, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the dogs, if, when, if you really know dogs, they, they tell you, they tell you what's up, mm-hmm. you know, totally. They're, they're, they're pretty simple creatures. They're very, yeah. they're, they have a very immense range of emotion and ability and intelligence, but they don't have what humans have, which is all this logic yeah. and overthinking. And, and yeah. they just, they're just whatever. They just want to live life and have a good life. As I mentioned earlier, we could go for another eight to 10 hours because yeah. I can talk about dogs I know. all day. I know. Same. Usually I end on like, how can people access this? But I think that because we've been talking about all of these foundational things and pieces, I think the question that I am a little bit more interested in right now is, if you could magically make everybody on earth who loves dogs understand one thing about dogs that you find that people don't understand about dogs, what would the first thing be? A lot of things pop into my head. If there's one thing, they're capable of more than you're giving them credit for. There's just a breakdown in your communication and understanding how to find your way to them. Like any relationship, you want them to come to you, but you've got to meet them halfway and understanding how to do that in a way that still satisfies your expectations and needs, but now starts giving them the same in return, like a reciprocating relationship. Encouraging people to be empathetic and compassionate with their dog, but not on the end that they're over-emotional, incapable of seeing what's actually happening in front of them. Like sometimes you have to be able to see past some of that emotion too. Gosh, it's a, it's a, I have a lot more on that, but that's probably uh, just slow down and give your, give your dog benefit of doubt and stop and look at its education level and, and, and ask yourself, is it fair what I'm asking? Yeah. And is this realistic? And maybe I have more work to do. There was two things that were really important to me when I was first starting, like, like I call it training, but like that dog education that you're talking about, like truly understanding Ruth and, and going on that. There was two really big things for me. One was letting go of the shame that I had Mm -hmm. around having this bad dog. Like I had this reactive dog and I I had so much shame and fear around that. And the idea that I might need to rehome her because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, I get it. Um, That, and I talked to a friend who was like, that might be the right thing for your dog. You're going to try all the other stuff. If that's the right thing for you and your dog, that's what has to happen. And you're doing right by them. So that, that being an option to do right by my dog was really, really freeing. Mm -hmm. Knowing that it was even possible that the problem was communication Mm -hmm. and not some inherent bad thing in me or my dog. It was that we couldn't talk to each other. There was just a gap in in the line. It was hugely freeing. One, and again, if the, another thing, if you're confused, so is your dog. Yeah. If you're lost, so is your dog. If you're frustrated, so is your dog. Mm-hmm. I promise they're not doing it to you. Yeah. They just don't understand. Yeah. It can't come down to telling them what to do. It's about connecting in a relationship. You know, yeah. you, you can't tell anybody in a relationship what they need to do. You have to 
You have to con- come to the middle yeah. and you have to create a, you have to create a connection, the right kind of connection. Oh, well, I think everybody is probably as obsessed with you as I am now, but so if people want to, in the kindest, most normal way, stalk you on the internet, how can they do that? <laughs> well, we do have a website that's very thorough. It's uh, www.thecaninerepublic.com and that's spelled out. A lot of times people think K and nine, it's spelled out. See, we'll put it in the, in the episode description so you can find that there. I always encourage people to read on my service, the training page about my approach, about the requirements, because I've, I've talked about how I have five appointments, you know, before jumping to the contact. And where are you located? I'm in Santa Clarita, California. Great. But um, it, so I, I serve the greater part of LA and, but a lot of folks come to me. I have people that drive very far, right? For We, we host a, a ton of really cool, unique group events like swim mm-hmm. camp and all kinds of really cool Fun. stuff. But honestly, one of the best I'm, I'm proud of, but also kind of serves as my best business card is our social media. We're on Instagram and you can look at the posts, which the posts are great. But where you really see our magic, our bread and butter, like what, where we hang our hat. Um, me and my team, there's, there's three, I have three employees. You'll see all of us on there, but that's on our, our Instagram in our stories, mm. our day-to-day stories, and, you know, stories, they expire after 24 hours, but every day you see whatever we're doing. And yeah. we like to, we're kind of an open book. I'll post about my, my lessons and share what I'm doing with this individual person. And people can glean little tidbits and uh, tips here and there. But then also just seeing what practicing, we put into practice what we're preaching. And these are dogs mm-hmm. in our daycare and our boarding that my team takes care of all day. And you'll see them pack walking and socials and all of this. And all of that is a, the product of what we do. Um, yeah. And and we the dogs we board and the dogs we accept into daycare, we're kind of like a group, a club yeah. in the sense that once we get past the foundational and you and your dog are on this plan, then you could be a part of these big community events and community that we, this ecosystem, we, so that everybody's on the same page. I'm real proud of our social media and the, the, the Instagram stories. You could really see us there. If people um, aren't in the LA area, we actually do a virtual training. COVID okay. helped, helped me develop that really well. But yeah, no, we, I have plenty of people all over the country and wor- different parts of the world. And we, but I host workshops. I do all kinds of group events, if not private lessons and try to help everybody as best we can. Are you okay with people who are reaching out to you and saying like, Hey, I don't, I don't, can you help me figure out what kind of trainer I need? I think I need an in-person one. Like, how do I find a good trainer? That sort of stuff. Sure. Sure. Of course. Exactly. I can help. I can, if, if, if I know anybody, right. If I, if I can, I'm more than happy. Yeah. Well, and even just like sorting out, there's so much conflicting information out there about dog training and all that stuff that it is really, really daunting. (laughs) And that's also something I, I almost like as a PSA, I'd like to say is that, you know, it's very easy to get caught up watching. There's so much free content out there and mm-hmm. that's like really awesome. But at the same time, a little dangerous yeah. because the, everybody and anybody can say they're a dog trainer and they, and they learn a little something somewhere. And then, you know, so really do your research that unfortunately mm-hmm. in the dog training world, there isn't some governing board over us, making sure we're doing our credit credentials and doing our homework before we are buying e-collars online and putting them on dogs. And we barely know what we're doing. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of inexperience out there posing as, you know, don't just like what you see on their social or their website or whatever, but really any trainer that's credible would happily 
provide references. I mean, don't be mm-hmm. afraid to ask these things of your trainer. And mm-hmm. if a trainer gets weird about that, you got to look at it as you're building a relationship with your dog. It's like finding the right therapist. So you got to find the right trainer for you mm-hmm. that resonates with what you're looking for. And don't let yourself get confused by, by listening to a lot of different things. Focus in on a style and approach you want. Lean into that and do your homework with the trainer you're considering before you go, drop a bunch of money. It genuinely was like one of the most overwhelming things I've done. It's yeah. like I had this dog who I thought I might need to rehome who was taking over my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kim, for coming on. I really, really appreciate you being here and getting to talk about something that I'm obviously super passionate about as well. For people who are interested in Care So Much, obviously, um, we both want you to go listen to Yishun's episode if you haven't listened to that yet. It's on accessibility. And if you want to just email me all of your thoughts on dogs, uh, please do. Also, all the pictures of your dogs. Uh, Care So Much. <laughs> pod at gmail.com is the way to do that we're the same on all social care so much pod and if there's something that you're really passionate about and you care about it a lot and you could talk about it all day long every day but you feel like you should calm down a little bit or tamp down your passion because nobody cares just know that i care i care so much 